I'm Amelia. And I'm Sophie. And welcome to So Ma, So Good, a Fruits Basket reboot podcast. Here, we're talking about the first season of the Fruits Basket reboot. Uh, we're both manga readers, so we might accidentally spoil things, but anything that has been adapted to the first or second season of the anime, we're not considering a spoiler. But anything that has not yet been adapted, we shall, and it will be a timestamp down in the description below, along with content warnings. Uh... Without further ado, let's talk about episode 18? Are we on 18 now? Mm -hmm. Wow. I know. So this is basically them just setting up season two. Yes. Is what this episode is. So they're like, remember Yuki? It's time. So next season, it's just Yuki time. So we thought we'd just like move all the pieces into the places they need to be and have Yuki give his mission statement for season two and then we'll (laughs) go deal with Kyo. Um, That's kind of what happened. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I always forget about this episode. <laughs> uh, except for yeah. when I'm thinking of, like, Kisa? backstory. Like... What? Or, like, well, I, I forget that it's, like, really Yuki-centric. I just think of it as the Kisa episode, and then I actually watch it, and I'm like, oh, this is about Yuki. Oh, I was gonna say the opposite. <laughs> oh. Um, is that I forget about this episode unless I'm thinking about, like, Yuki lore. Um, and then I'm like, oh, right, he was mute. That's relevant. Not that it's ever brought up again for some reason. (laughs) I feel like it would be a pretty, um, something pretty, like, formative for him, a formative experience. (laughs) But they kind of never bring it up again. You know, sometimes it just be like that. I had my, I know people who were selectively mute, and they don't really bring it up. (laughs) Yeah, but Um, this is a, these are, like, extenuating circumstances, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, this is kind of off topic, but remember how this is actually so off topic. I'm sorry, but I have to say it now. Uh, <laughs> remember how in the OG they had Akito whip Yuki? Yes. How could I forget? <laughs> how could I forget? What the fuck was that? Dude, oh. whips and chains. Except Akito was like 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. I'm glad that that did not happen in actual Francesca canon yeah yeah exactly it's like you know Akito is like horrible to a crazy degree and the things that happen in Fruits Basket are like outlandish but it's like you know like a abused child going mute is like yeah um a child having a collection of whips I don't know about that but you know <gasps> Haru's out here wearing fetish gear in the streets so yeah but like, Haru's not 11 <laughs> He's not, a, I mean, but he's like 15. He's uh, a high schooler. Yeah, I guess. Um, he's, he really, this episode, he he rocks up. He's like wearing his chaps. He's wearing chaps. Um, <laughs> did you notice his chaps? No. That's all I could see that whole scene is Haru's wearing chaps. He's wearing like pants under them, but he's wearing chaps. And then he's like wearing his collar. And I'm just like, Haru. <laughs> Oh my you god. You leave the house like that? Oh. Haru's mother does not. Haru's parents are just like, okay, whatever. He can he can wear BDSM outfits just out. That's fine. He can get a tattoo. No one no one can stop him. 2015 American Haru is one of those people who would like hang out in malls with like a leash. Like he would have like Rin, yeah. who like <laughs> Rin's leading him on a leash through a mall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. Haru's the sub in this relationship that I've made up. <laughs> I guess. I mean... It's his collar. It's his collar. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Is he wearing gloves in this episode? I don't remember if he's wearing those, like, fingerless gloves. I don't know. I can't remember. I, mean, he, he, I think he loves he to accessorize, just in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, he's usually wearing a couple other necklaces that he... he I, I bet he, like, he makes his own jewelry, but he, he usually does wear a collar. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is, I don't know if Takaya, like, thought about the implications of that at all, like, the sexual implications, or if she just thought it was, like, a cool fashion thing that she thought would look good on him and make him look, like, edgy. But he is wearing a lot of fetish gear a lot of the time, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, um, it's definitely, like, very early 2000s, like, that, like, Japanese, like, goth. It's like what they wear in Death Note, yeah. you know? It's, like, that, like, kind of, like gothic but like cutesy style that was very popular like um yeah after y2k 
and like a lot of like punk styles incorporated a lot of like fetish wear and bondage wear into like street fashion so it's not like it's necessarily a kink thing it could just be a fashion thing but i just yeah it is funny yeah and he was wearing chaps that makes me scream i was gonna say that out of all the characters harry was the one who was most open about sex so he is He's 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 definitely one of those people that just like doesn't understand why everyone else is a prude and why everyone else is freaked out about it. He's just like it's sex. Why are you guys being weird? Like it's just a thing people do. <laughs> yeah. He's an oversharer, but just because he like doesn't understand why you would keep it to yourself. He's like mm-hmm. he just like doesn't he's like it's just a thing that people do. Like I'm not private about what I had for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Haru is the best. I fucking love Haru. I would love to be Haru, friends with Haru in real life so much. So much. I would give anything. He seems like Um, he'd be really fun to go to a party with. So fun. And he would, like, watch out for you, too. Oh, I would trust Haru with my drink. Yeah. Easily. (laughs) Should we talk about the episode? Yeah. We got randomly off topic, but sort of on topic. That was content from today's episode. (laughs) Uh-huh. Today, as if this episode didn't come out, like, months and months like ago. Like, two, two years ago. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, 2019. <laughs> time passes. Know, so time much flies. time passes. When this episode came out, um, I had a job and no pandemic. Yeah. Alright, so, cold open. Yes. Was great. It was really good. It was good. a good little setup. I also, it was just, like, pretty. I liked the archway that they were standing under. I liked the kind of, like, rainy mood. It was pretty. I agree. This episode actually had a couple of, like, um, really beautiful, um, like, shots. Um, And it also had a couple of really weird shots that I felt like, um, I'll talk about them later, but um, I feel like he was, like, trying something this episode, and, like, some of it landed and some of it didn't. At but at least he was trying. Was trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Yuki and Toru are like chatting and they're talking about how um, Takai really wants Yuki to succeed him as the president of the student council because I guess student council at their school is not a democracy. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think it I might. Know. I think like, I think they do vote. It's just that like Takai wants him to run and he knows if he runs, he'll get elected. Mm hmm. Yeah. I don't know. No, he accepted the position. What I think, I, I have Googled this before. Um, and I think the way student council works is that the, like, top scorers. So the top scorers in every class are the class representatives. So that's why Yuki is his class rep. Yuki is the male class representative for his class because he's the top male um, scorer grade-wise. Um, and then those people can run for student council. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so they're talking, he wants him to, um, succeed him as president, and Yuki falls into his usual trap of self-deprecation about it, because he doesn't think that he's fit for the role, but he, like, accidentally says it out loud, um, because I think at this point he's just gotten, like, so comfortable around Toru that he, like, forgot to stop himself until it was already out. And then you can see himself, like, being visibly upset with him, with himself, like, a couple of moments later where he's kind of like, why did I say that? Yeah. I don't have a ton to say about it. It's just like, yeah. And it's it's setting up Yuki for the student mm-hmm. council thing. It's just him being like, oh, here's something that, like, it, yeah, it's like he's inferiority issues and right. stuff. Yeah, no, it, it's a good way to, like, tie in his, um, you know, the reveal of his mutism and, like, the possible reasons behind it, his low self-confidence, how he doesn't feel like he's, like, deserving of things like that, and that um, no one likes him, so, like, people wouldn't want him to be on student council anyway, blah, blah, blah. It all, like, fits in very nicely to um, the things that he was told in his childhood and the reason that he retreated into himself. Yeah. And then Haru rocks up in his chaps holding <laughs> a little kitty cat. <laughs> I love that Toru's like a cat, and, Tor- and Yuki's yeah. like that is not a fucking cat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, I knew she would do this. Um, 
Ke- baby Kisa is so cute. She's so little tiger baby. She's so, She's cute. so cute. I too would get fucked up by the tiger. Actually, I wouldn't because I'm like smart about wildlife. The thing about me is I'm like dumb and I like want to like pet things, but I'm also like a biologist who's like worked with animals and stuff. So I'm actually like not a dumbass. So I wouldn't do that. I just like feel like I, I would want to. I would want to as well, but the thing is that I would because Kisa is not a tiger. She's a person. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, when Kisa bites Toru, it's not like it's, like, an animal protecting itself. It's like Kisa being like, get away from me. <laughs> but yeah. I love that Toru yeah. has zero pain tolerance. Like, I'm sure it hurt, but Toru literally faints. <laughs> <laughs> she, she mentions that she was just, like, surprised. Like, when she gets bit later, she's, like, fine. I feel like Toru, I would expect Toru to have, like, she's, like, cooking all the time. I feel like she's probably got decent pain tolerance on her hand. Everyone I know who, like, cooks all the time is just, like, if they cut themselves or burn themselves or just, like, mm. But I think, True. yeah, she was just shocked. Yeah. But, yeah, I always thought it was so funny where she's, like, a cat. <laughs> a cat! Like, no. That is not a fucking Tur- cat, Toru. Toru just fucking loves cats. Yeah, she does love cats. She loves a little kitty. Um... Baby tigers are mad cute. Mm-hmm. It's like cats are cute even when they can fuck you up. Um, yeah. And then they go back to Shigure's, unless you have anything else to say about that scene. Yeah. So they go back, and Yuki's giving Kisa a hard time and is like, You should apologize for biting people, unruly child. <laughs> and then Har- um, Haru drops the, She's mute bomb. Um, which rocks Yuki's, it freaks his bean. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. He, he's, his eyes are completely glued onto Toru the entire time Haru is explaining it. I mean, just totally mm-hmm. trying to gauge her reaction. Yeah. Is this where Yuki starts being like... Uh, yeah, so, so, like, next what happens is, like, so they talk about how she's mute, and then, um... Haru kind of starts, like, getting on her case, and she runs out, uh, and Toru runs out after her, and this is where Yuki yeah. kind of has his little uh, outburst. Oh, I, I do want to, they, they have a good little moment with Haru, where Kisa bites him, mm-hmm. and I actually, I really liked how they did the Haru going black, but controlling himself, because you can tell something happens, like, his voice shifts. He and doesn't the, go like, black. He does, but it's Shigure's like- Shigure's like, did you go black? And he's like, No. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's like, it's, no, well, it just like, hurts. <laughs> it's like a, I don't know, it's still like a moment where I feel like you can see his, he, he like, his demeanor does change briefly, yeah. but he's like really tightly controlled. I get, yeah, but he's, he's doing a good job controlling himself and his like, so I think it's like, I think pain is normally kind of a trigger for him as far as like flipping a switch mm-hmm. and he's um figuring his shit out, but yeah. yeah. He's good with kids, even when they bite him. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. if he was younger, he would have gone black in reaction mm-hmm. to what happened. But I think that, like, at the point he's at, he's mature enough to, you know, he's is 10. Yeah, so then, um, <laughs> Haru uh, and Shigure accuse Yuki of being jealous that Kisa is getting Haru's attention, which is very funny, but also very sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like well i love the bit where it's like i like how yuki's like why were you why are you doing this like why were you the one running after her like what i didn't know you guys were close like yuki's like he's like what's happening uh, <laughs> and definitely kind of on edge about the whole thing and haru's like well i mean she does kind of remind me of you dude <laughs> and, um which is just like a, I think, just super telling about the kind of person Haru is, where he's like, you know, if no one else is gonna care about the traumatized fucking kids in this family, I will. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> and also just like kind of being like, you know, Yuki. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't mince things. He's not like, he's he's being direct. He's being Haru. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think it's funny that they're like, are you jealous? It's, yeah, very referential that, that was so to, funny. like, but it's funny and it's referential to the fact that, like, Haru did the same thing for Yuki that he's doing for Kisa. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, also, it's like, it's like kind of gay. It's little, yeah, it's kind of gay. 
a kind of gay, like, oh, you want Haru to pay attention to you, you want to be Haru's, so, like, little, <laughs> little friend, I don't know, what I Little friend? <laughs> you want to be like, Haru's little friend? <laughs> you want to, you want Haru's, like, affection and attention, you right. want, you like to be the person Haru worries about, um, yeah, but I liked Yuki's little, like, He's so prissy. I love yeah. how prissy Yuki is. And he's like, he gets a little petulant sometimes, which I just find so endearing because he's normally so like charming and polite and tightly controlled. So whenever the right person needles him into just like getting prissy and rude, I just love it. Yeah. So he like, yeah, he has his first little outburst where he's like, no, I'm not jealous, which is like, yeah, <laughs> definitely just like very prissy and like, Ugh. um, <laughs> but then the second one, the second one, first of all, Shimazaki, my fucking king. The way he delivers the next two lines, he says, shut up, and then he says something else along the same lines before storming out. Sounds fucking rough. And, like, also it's, like, one of the loudest, maybe the loudest we hear Yuki ever speak. Um, Like, it sounds very different from his normal speaking voice. He's, like, mad. Like, he's really angry. Like, we've seen Yuki mad before, but it's mm-hmm. almost always at Kyo, and he's always doing his weird, like, villain monologue at him, and, like, being condescending. Because he knows, like, pissing Kyo off. If he's mad at Kyo, he has to get condescending. And, like, you know, that's what he does. So this is the first time we see him get mad and, like, kind of lose control, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's very, I think it's, like, it's layered, you know? He doesn't, um... He doesn't want to think about what happened on the estate because it causes him pain. So that's one of one of the reasons he's mad. Um, he's ashamed about what happened. He's ashamed about how he reacted to it. And he just doesn't want to acknowledge that it happened. And he's mad that Shigure and Haru are, like, bringing it up. Uh, when he, It's something that he's been avoiding thinking about for a while now. Mm-hmm. I like how Shigure and Haru have kind of a similar sense of humor and will do similar things. But Shigure, like, always takes it, like, one step further. So it's, like, Haru will play along to a certain point, and then Shigure takes it, then like, the one step further that Haru would never go. And Haru's, like, why do you have to rub salt in the wound? <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about Shigure's line there. Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed? Uh. Yeah. So... It's another one of those lines. It, re- it reminds me of the scene, uh, I don't remember what episode it is, I think 210, um, when Shigure confronts Kyo about his feelings about Yuki. It is very similar, I think, that it comes off as very callous. Um, but I think what Shigure is trying to do is challenge Yuki's self-perception and force him to like actually acknowledge his emotions. Like And, it, and like just like with Kyo, he's not trying to be cruel he's trying to um get yuki to like face some truths about himself and the environment that he was in um but he just doesn't do it very delicately no he's he's provoking a response because he thinks i i mean i think like he i think it worked this time when it didn't work at all with kyo Mm -hmm. like when he was initially like okay if i can bait this thing out of Kyo out into the open where he has to look at it then maybe he'll like think about it and unpack it a little bit and Kyo just flips and then locks that shit right back up meanwhile Yuki it's like he's like okay let's chase like I'm gonna put a name on what I think Yuki is feeling because I think I think Yuki has had maybe a hard time naming it himself like internally like it's something he just doesn't want to think about it's a bad feeling I think sometimes like he's like I don't think he's super great at identifying his own emotions at this point so Shigure goes and identifies it for him, um, and it then provokes his little tantrum. But it, I think, like, Yuki is then like, oh, shit. And then it, like, and combined with Toru, I think, like, if if Toru hadn't been there, mm-hmm. I think he might have also just, like, gotten pissed and then shut down and not dealt with it. But I think the right different things happened where Shigure's little tactic here worked. It paid mm-hmm. off. I also think think that I agree with you, and I also think that part of it is that throughout Fruits Basket, Yuki outpaces Kyo in like that area of like being able to acknowledge his emotions, um, identify them, um, and look at himself more clearly. Um, and like it's it's a little slow in the beginning, but like I mean within this episode, he 
decides that he's going to face his issues and this is season one and that's not something that Keo does until he's forced to at the end of season one yeah but yuki does it on his own accord mm-hmm. yeah um oh and then just going back to his anger issues a little because this is a good like encapsulation of like yuki's anger reaction is that he this early on when he gets very upset the emotion he turns to express that is like very tightly controlled anger quickly followed by avoidance and self-isolation which is exactly what he does here he gets mad he yells at them and he storms out of the room um and that's what he does when he gets in that fight with kyo he gets mad he yells at kyo and he storms out of the room it's just like here is my anger now i'm leaving to go hate myself alone (laughs) yeah like that's what yuki does yeah this like moment we have here with Shigure and Haru was like fun in the sense that like they're similar but they're also not um where we see them kind of like play a sort of I wouldn't say they play super similar roles in the story but they're both characters who are trying to do something Haru is someone that like goes out of his way to make active change and like try and help the people around him and Shigure also like does that but just in a He's just like, Haru is like nice. <laughs> yes. Like, like, like he's got anger issues, but he's like a really nice guy. And he's like not gonna purposefully upset people if he can avoid it. Meanwhile, Shigure does not have any of that hesitance that Haru does as far as like being like, well, I need something to happen with these people. So I'm going to do what I want to, to make them do a thing. Um, but it is funny that they have, like, they get along really well, and they have sort of a similar sense of humor, but then Shigure inevitably always does something that Haru's like, man, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's really funny. Their, like, relationship is just very strange. Yeah, no, their relationship is funny. Like, I like they, like, the way Shigure and Haru, like, just hang out with, like, one another. And we see it multiple times throughout Fruits Basket where Shigure and Haru just hang. They, yeah, you. sometimes, like, the other people will leave. They'll not be in the house. You know who comes over? Haru, just to vibe with Shigure, apparently. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it, I think you're right about them having, like, a really similar sense of humor, where they're both a little, like, absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also think that, like, Haru does sort of, like, like, you know how, like, Shigure will kind of, like, gauge people's reactions to him so that he can say things that get the reaction that he wants? Haru kind of does the same thing where he kind of, like, tests out people's reactions. It's just, like, he doesn't, like, take it as far. Haru's, like, nice. Like, Shigure's yeah. not... <laughs> Shigure's not um, nice. <laughs> he's not a he's nice not guy. Nice. <laughs> um, also, I think, like, obviously Haru is, like, I do owe Shigure a life debt. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> that is that is an element of their relationship. It's, it's just... It's sure a dynamic. It's not yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. They're funny. Um... I hated the music in this scene, by the way. It was, like, a really upbeat song. Uh, and I felt that it, like, really took away from, like, the moment where, like, Yuki, like, I really like this moment, by the way. Like, right after Shigure says, are you ashamed? It's this, like, shot of Yuki. The background drops and it's just, like, him, like, reacting to it. Like, I felt that. Like, it's, like, your stomach dropping, you know? Like, that's what it is. But there's this, like, upbeat pop song playing in the background. I'm like, Why? I hate you, Ibato. <laughs> Stop with the freaking music. But you know what? At least this season, I think I can say that this season, um, the levels of the tracks are normal. Remember in season yeah. two, the tracks are so loud. <laughs> so loud. And for what? It's bizarre. Uh, but yeah. they're like not the music, season. when they're making bad music decisions, like I have a way easier time tuning it out this just, like, yeah. season. Because it's just like not drowning shit out. And you're not like, what the fuck is happening? Why did that happen? Season three, please have normal levels. Come on, I believe in you. No COVID. I mean, maybe. (laughs) So then, Kisa's mother comes. Rocks up. (laughs) Don't know what I was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Toru goes and finds Kisa outside the house. She's trying to talk to her. Um, And then Kisa's mother comes and... I like I like the um, diversity in the like parental relationships, um, both within the supporting cast, but definitely like within the zodiac as well. 
Um, cause, like, I think, like, right off the bat, you can tell that the relationship that Kisa and her mother have is strained. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's, like, ruined, and it's also not, like, great. Yeah. Um, like, it's kind of, like, somewhere in the middle when it comes to, like, Zodiac parenting. But, um, like, like, she comes and she starts speaking, and right off the bat, it's very uncompassionate, um her daughter's been missing and the first thing she says to her is like she's just recounting facts she's like i was looking for you sugar ray called me and then immediately starts shifting the blame onto kisa what are you doing why are you making why are you making trouble for everyone do you enjoy making trouble for me um so you can see that like they have a history of having a strained relationship and also just speaks again to the soma family culture of blaming children for the reaction to their environment and not addressing the environment itself yeah it's very much she comes in and she's she immediately frames herself as the victim in this situation that this is something kisa did to her and not something kisa just did out of desperation because she was like feeling trapped and stressed um and couldn't find any other outlet for what she was going through Um, But instead, her mother is making it about herself. I think that this, like, victim mentality in Soma parents is really common, where it's, like, it's almost like they're the ones cursed by having the child with the curse, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. they they have this, they can't predict whether or not they're going to have one of the Zodiac members. And if you get it, it's like, sure, you get some money. Um, But... It's also, they view themselves as like, oh, this is like something like I've been, that I've been like afflicted with. That's like a burden to me. I am the, vi-. like they, fra- a lot of the bad ones um, think of themselves as like a victim of having this kind of child instead of like, I have now have a child with, and I think you can see this in real life, human parents, if they have like kids with special needs and stuff, sometimes you see like, I don't know, like autism mommy warriors who are definitely like, my life is so fucking hard and I am like a victim of having an autistic child or something and totally uncompassionate to their own children. Um, and I think that's a very sort of similar dynamic I'm seeing here with Kisa and her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so then uh, Toru says some stuff. She says, so she starts like talking to Kisa trying to, like, appeal to her and and make her feel less alone, I think, in her situation by relating to her and saying, this happened to me too. And she says, I started to feel ashamed of myself for being bullied, and I was embarrassed to let my mom find out. Um, which I think, like, um, I mean, it speaks to, like, you know, an overarching theme in Fruits Basket um, about, like, being ashamed of your emotions, being ashamed of victimhood, um, but also, like... I think it's very very pertinent in that, like, children internalize things very, very deeply. And in a case like Yuki, where he was never able to um, process it outwardly because it was taboo to talk about and he was also in a very, like, extreme abusive um, situation, um, that it really impacts the way that you think about yourself and the way that you think about other people. Um... Which is, like, I think, like, a big through line of this episode and Yuki's storyline to begin with. But um, when it's someone like Toru, where she was actually able to talk to someone supportive about these emotions, that she was able to get through it um, in a way that, like, Kisa can't unless um, the people around her are compassionate to her situation. Yeah. Thanks, Kyoko, for... Not getting, not having a victim complex about having a child that got bullied. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's, like, very much, yeah, this through line of, like, shame of victimhood and shame of, like, being, like, thinking that if something bad happens to you, it's somehow your own fault because you are just too weak. And if you're weak, then you get what you deserve, apparently, Um, instead of directing the anger towards environments or people that prey on others there's also like a cultural aspect to it i think we've probably talked about this before um on the podcast but um bullying is a huge problem in japanese schools um and one of the reasons is because conformity is a a really like highly uh, a value held in high esteem 
And so it's normally kids like Kisa um, who are different, um, who get bullied, and it's kind of viewed as just like, well, um, you have to deal with it. Like, you individually have to make sacrifices for the good of the collective, and the good of the collective is you conforming. Um, so you brought this upon yourself. Like, um, it's a very toxic way to look at bullying, and that's why it's a really big problem in Japan. And a lot of yeah. people get, like, badly bullied. Grim. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Yuki is like, oh my god, relatable. <laughs> to <Tetsuru. laughs> Yuki sees this all go down and is like, oh, holy shit. Like, because, I mean, it's like the timing is perfect, you know? It's very like, oh, are you ashamed? And then Yuki walks out and he's like, I am ashamed. I hate myself. <laughs> and then he goes and he's like, watches Toru and she's like, you don't have to. I was ashamed, but I didn't have to be. And it's okay. And he's like, oh shit, it is okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very validating for Yuki that other people, like, even if they're not in such an extreme situation, have felt the same things that he felt. Mm -hmm. And someone that he, like, respects and doesn't think of as like lesser it's like it's one of those things where it's like I think it's a really common like technique when you're having like issues with self-hatred and stuff is to like think about it like okay but what if a friend who I cared about was going through the same thing that I'm really mad at myself for and then it's easier to be like oh but I would not ever treat them the way I talk about myself so having seeing Toru be like oh yeah I was bullied Yuki's like oh well, I would never think bad things about Toru. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a nice little detail. Toru delivers the line um, where she's talking to Kisa's mom, uh, saying, like, Kisa didn't want to tell you, blah, blah, blah. And she says she didn't want you to hate her. And when she delivers that line, um, Yuki's, like, hands twitch like it shows his hands mm -hmm. like kind of clenching which i liked like in reaction to that like you know yuki spent his whole life paranoid that everyone hates him and has had that paranoia validated um multiple times by multiple different very close people in his life um and so to like avoid the possibility of others hating him for who and what he is and for his victimhood he like withdrew completely so that like no one could know him but like seeing toru be able to acknowledge that and still express love for Kisa and for to see um Kisa be able to acknowledge that and process that and um be met with love when she shows her emotions about it I think like that is very validating for Yuki to see yeah for sure good content um oh. is a good Yuki episode it's a good Yuki episode sorry Kisa we like barely talk about Kisa she's just a vehicle for Yuki's character <laughs> It's not, it's not Kisa, I mean, it's not our fault. Takaya wrote Kisa as a vehicle for Yuki's character. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Um, it's, you know, she's a minor character. Yeah, she wrote, I mean, yeah, she writes Kisa as a vehicle for Yuki's character, and then she writes Hiro as a vehicle for Kyo's, so, like, right. what do I do? Yeah. Uh, we have our first sort of, like, weird mommy gazing, where he's watching Toru hug wee baby Kisa and he's like wow what if someone hugged me <laughs> <laughs> what Yuki if? does a lot of mommy gazing in Fruits Basket where he watches Toru be tender with a child and he's like damn wish, wish that, that was me, me. <laughs> yeah god I wish that was me but then he says it oh. so like he's like we go to I love this scene by the way the next scene where they're like in her room Mm -hmm. And he tells Toru that he's jealous of Kisa, and she's like, what? Like, obviously, he's talking about the fact that Kisa's, like, lying on top of Toru. <laughs> um, and he, like, oh, I just love this, like, I think this is the first time he shows affection for Toru physically. Right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I can't think he, of an earlier instance. And he puts his head on Toru's shoulder. And That's yeah, I think sweet. like after watching all that go down with Kisa that he knows that if he does eventually choose to show what he considers like undesirable emotions to Toru that she's still gonna love him. And so he's now comfortable enough to show affection, which he normally would never because it's vulnerable. Mm -hmm. 
to seek a little bit of comfort. Like he's, I don't think he ever feels like he deserves or is capable of like receiving comfort. So he never seeks it out in other people. He never looks for someone to try and comfort him. But in this moment, he's like letting himself be like, you know what? I can seek a little comfort from someone I care about. Yeah. Uh, the way you can her is like the only relationship in Fruits Basket. Fuck <laughs> 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 like everyone else. I know it's a cast of 50, but I don't care about anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and then we kind of hop over and it's like we get to like Kisa duckling form. Kisa's so cute. She's, She's a cute. cute little. I love how Kyo's like wouldn't that be annoying? And then Toru's like, you are so cute. And he's like, I guess not. And I'm like, if I had an adorable little child following me around, I would not be pissed. I would be like, you are a cute little baby. <laughs> he's a little angel. When I was a kid, like when I read Fruits Basket as a kid, I used to like pull my, I pulled those two front strands of my hair in front of my face because I wanted to look like Kisa. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> It did not work because she has like a, like, it's cut at different lengths. Yeah, she has like a bob and then like two strands that are cut. Which longer. also would probably look terrible in real life, especially with curly hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a weird hairstyle, but Kisa's very cute. I also love when she gets the little tiger ears. I know. No, adorable. Her, her cat ears are better than Kyo's cat ears. Yeah, sorry, Kyo. Like, sorry, Kyo's Kyo. cat ears are still good, but you know what? Yuki never gets little rat ears. And he should. Fucked up. Yeah. Give Yuki little rat ears. Please. It's what um, we deserve. It's because, and we don't get, like, in the manga, when he talks sometimes next to his speech bubble, there's a little rat, like a little cartoon of a rat so that we know it's Yuki speaking. And we don't get anything like that, obviously, in the anime because there's speech bubbles. It's like, give him rat ears. He give deserves rat them. Ears. Round. He deserves little rat ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I made the note, Kyo's so insensitive. Oh, I think yeah. it's because um, Toru's like, what do you want for dinner? And Kisa can't answer. And he's like, just say something. <laughs> yeah, Kyo's just being <laughs> a, dick, a dick. And I love that Shigure, like immediately physically squashes him. <laughs> he's on. just like, uh-uh. I don't want this kind of chaos in my house. I choose the chaos that happens. I choose the emotional conflicts, and I'm shutting this down. <laughs> if we're having emotional conflicts, I'm the driving force behind them, not Kyo. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote Shigure, King of Sitting on Naughty Teenage Boys Who Need to Shut the Fuck Up. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kyo's being on an him. asshole. Um, totally in character. It's very cute, just being like, "What's her problem?" Like, yeah, like, shut up, you dickhead. But he's he's like a teenage boy. He's stupid. Yeah, no, he's just stupid. It's not mean. Spe- like he's not like being mean. He's just like no, being he- a fucking idiot. Yeah, exactly. And, and he gets squashed for his crimes. He does get uh. squashed. <laughs> um. So that they choose what to have for dinner. I don't know. I had one thing to say about the end of the scene, but that was it. Uh, yeah, go ahead, say that. Um, okay, so, like, they're like, oh, we'll have this for dinner, and then, like, Toru and Kyo kind of start, like, bickering about it, or Kyo gets mad at her about it, and she's apologizing profusely. That's what they're bickering is. Um, and, okay, so in the subtitles, I should go watch this in the dub. I didn't. In the subtitles, Shigure says Kyo and Toru sitting in a tree, um, which absolutely has to be localized. Because it's a rhyme, right? In English, it's a rhyme. Yeah. Um, and then, because I was like, what? And then, um, Toru's like, and then Kyo was like, shut up. Uh, and Shigure says, Kyo-kun, you actually understood that jibe? No way. Which makes me think that what they translated it to was, like, maybe less suggestive than what he actually said. Because I feel like he's yeah. like, you're, like, you're a prude. I can't believe you believe that. Um, but the taunt is like a elementary school level like taunt in english i don't know what yeah i thought it was that was a really random background exchange where i was like yeah i like didn't you i i didn't pick i tuned i that went right in one ear and out the other uh no no it's just that like it's happening under dialogue like there's like other important dialogue happening on top of it and i was not paying attention to it (laughs) 
Incredible. I always listen to what's going on in the background instead of the dialogue that's actually informing me of the story. Yeah. It's good that's character how I watched Haikyuu. Oh, yeah. Haikyuu's a great show to watch while doing that. Yeah. Because yeah. they just be saying shit. Yeah, um, that's really funny. It's like a horny tornado. I think it ha- <laughs> my theory in Haikyuu is I think a lot of those are improvised. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, especially for the dub. The dub, for sure. I was going to say the, the dub actor for Kageyama. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and then Yuki is, like, obviously too shy to enter the room while everyone is having this argument, as usual Yuki. Usual Yuki. Behavior. Uh, Weird yeah, lurking outside the door. Um, and they go to have roof lunch. Yeah. This scene was... I, li- I like this was like a good just like high s- the high school squad just kind of chilling together mm-hmm. um, moment and just like a oh yeah they all like eat lunch together and stuff that's nice and also like uh, fun just like little bits of characterization in this scene like how um, I I love I love how they're like oh god she really got so bullied and that's so sad and Momiji being hyper empathetic just like Momiji and Tori just start crying because they're both hyper empathetic <laughs> people um and then Haru's like I got bullied too and Yuki's like you just beat the shit out of whoever bullied you and Haru's like well Kyo was worse <laughs> and then we get the little I love this little shot of baby Kyo just absolutely terrorizing some other children for making fun of him so um, good and I do think that's like yeah, and definitely speaks to the like the way the fact that like Kyo doesn't has a harder time empathizing with Kisa because when he was a child and people bullied him, he just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Haru is very empathetic. Um, but also like I think that like Haru's also kind of quiet. And Kyo like isn't. <laughs> no, he has a loud mouth. He's yeah. like kind of he's like shy and awkward, but he's also a lot loud mouth. I don't know. He's yeah, but Haru's yeah. definitely, like, a lot more soft-spoken. So I think mm-hmm. he, like, can understand. Um, besides being very empathetic, he kind of can understand firsthand. Also, he, like, saw Yuki go through the same thing already. Right. So he was like, I've seen this before. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. this is, like, one thing that always bothers me. I've probably brought it up before, and I'm probably the only one who is still bothered by this. But when they're talking about how they're all bullied... For their hair color, still no one ever brings up Yuki's hair color. I think that is so bizarre that Yuki has gray hair and he didn't get bullied for it. I thought you would think he would get bullied for that. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Don't for know. whatever we reason, don't. it's fine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't know. Um, I do. I, I thought it was like like Momiji being like. It's, like, a really kind of characterizing moment where Momiji, you can immediately see him, like, tune in to being worried about, like, Kisa's home situation and whether or not, like, her mother is going to provide for her and stay taking care of her. And Tora reassures him, like, I think the situation is on the mend. Like, I think Kisa's gonna be okay. And, this like, she's not gonna have to go through what you went through, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Momiji just being so happy and relieved... That Kisa doesn't have to experience what he experienced is very, like, Momiji and very sweet. And the fact that, like, you know, someone else might almost be kind of jealous or resentful, but Momiji's just immediately like, oh, thank fucking God. Um, yeah. Because he's a good boy. He's a good yeah. boy. Um, they did a nice little, like, visual parallel here. Um, where we see um, Kisa... And she's sitting just outside the doors of Sugar Ray's house, um, contemplating her next step and how she's going to deal with her bullies. And then we see, like, a mirrored shot. Like, it's, like, the same composition um, Mm -hmm. shot of Yuki trapped inside of the very bleak estate. That's another thing, is that the colors at Sugar Ray's house are very bright and vibrant. And then at the estate, they're very bleak, um, with no choice in the matter in what his um, situation is and how he he can't take a step forward with his abuse the way that Kisa can take a step forward with the bullying from her classmates. Um, but I like the and and so he had in his mind no choice but to shut down, whereas Kisa has an out. 
Um, also, yeah. like, I like that it, it showcases that there's, like, a generational... We've talked about the generational differences between the adults and the teenagers, but between the teenagers and the kids, there is also a generational difference because the oldest Zodiacs are working adults. So they have somewhere off the estate but Soma acceptable to, like, find respite. Um, but with the teenagers, the first person to do that was Yuki. But now, yeah. like, Kisa has the option to just stay at Sugar Ice for a few days away from her mom. It's mm-hmm. a much more, like, they have a lot more freedom of movement now that the oldest Zodiacs are fully grindles. Yeah. I was going to say that because they're, like, so much younger than Akito, they might be have a little bit less of the spotlight on them, but that's not true. Kisa's just like yeah. <laughs> it's because akito be hating women yeah <laughs> uh, hero's like fine um, yeah he witnesses horrible things constantly hero's just like oh jesus christ that'll scar me uh this will haunt my dreams okay uh, yeah yeah but akito doesn't fuck with hero personally <laughs> i don't think akito really cares about hero no the way that um, akito doesn't care about a lot of the guys yeah well, I made a note that Yuki Yuki wipes away Momiji's tears very pragmatically, but I like that, like, I like, again, just the brotherly relationship between a lot of them. It's cute. I think, but- honestly, Yuki's relationship with, like, outside of, I guess, Haru is, Haru's the only one he was really friends with before he moved on to Shigure. I think that, like, compared to Kyo, who very much, like, I think grew up with them. Like, Yuki knew them all growing up, but he was kept so isolated. I feel like Yuki is, like, building these relationships more so in real time than, like, Kyo is. But they still mm-hmm. have a history. But it's just, like, it's yeah. a little different, I mean, you know? Like, I, mean? I think maybe it's more of a cousin, more actually cousins. Because uh, yeah. they definitely, like, knew each other growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also, like, we've seen that, like, Yuki is familiar with Momiji's behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's cute that he, like, wipes his tears away. It's cute. They all even they're like, okay, we'll look out for wee little Momiji, who's a secret evil genius, but (laughs) you know, just a little guy. And then we have um, one of my all-time favorite exchanges between Yuki and Toru, where Yuki says, "Like we are human," and Toru says, "Yes, you are." I just yeah. like I love it's so simple but like it's such a strong validation and it really just shows that Toru like really loves them and Yuki can turn to her for support no like there's no like hesitation like she doesn't like think about it she's just like yeah of course you guys are human uh and Yuki's like we are human yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I like that she like she takes it seriously when he mm-hmm. says that yeah yeah it's a good it's a good moment i like that moment a lot Um, oh and also that that was um uh he tried to do something ibata tried to do something there like so they have that little exchange and then yuki like stretches and he's like okay we have to like go back to class uh and it's like a very like weird camera angle where like the camera's like basically like behind his like heels and like looking up like it could have been cool but like i don't think it was executed very well it's a little weird yeah it was just a little weird Yuki's feeling a little braver. Right, exactly. Yeah. I think that's what that was meant to show, right? That he's feeling, like, he's not feeling small. Bigger. He's feeling big. Yeah. yeah. But it um, didn't look that great. <laughs> but I understood the intention. <laughs> you know, we take what we can get yeah. here on Soma, so good. <gasps> and then they go home. They go home. I like that Keith is wearing Toru's dress. I thought that was a cute detail. I didn't even notice. It's one of the dresses Toru wears pretty often. It's like big on Kisa. Yeah. yeah, now that you say it, I it yeah, it is Toru's dress. I didn't notice when I was watching this. Yeah. That's funny. Um, That's so cute. It's a cute detail. I like sometimes sometimes like they just wear each other's clothes. Are they like that's that's something they've done as like a Toru has worn Yuki's clothes in like episode one and stuff. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Like little details like that. And then they read the shitty ass letter from Kisa's <laughs> teacher out loud. Annoying, callous. Ass. It's it reminds me so much. You know what? It's like it's just like it reminds me of all the emails I get constantly from my university about like taking care of my mental health. 
It's like, do self-care. Like, take care of your mental health. And I'm like, okay. It's like, reduce, like, try and reduce your stress. And I'm like, all right, university, thanks. This means nothing. Uh, It's like, COVID's a hard time. We're all going through shit. And I'm like, you gonna do anything for me, though? Like, are you gonna materially do anything to help me? And it goes, no. Um... Try and sleep more. And I say, fuck you. That's what this letter yeah. reminds me of. Um, yeah. That's theater companies telling me to take care of myself while paying me like $500 for eight weeks of work. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of myself. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with $500 in New York City, but okay. <laughs> okay, so they read this letter. Um, one of the lines from the letter i wrote down was why not try a little harder to make friends with everybody again very victim blamey just as it has this entire episode it's keisa's fault that she's being bullied why don't you try harder to be friends um Um. no (laughs) but again going back to the cultural expectation of collectivism and personal sacrifices um for the greater good um it's very 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 bad for your mental health (laughs) and then it has one of the uh one of my least favorite sort of trite ass truisms that people spit out which is like how can you expect anyone to love you if you don't love yourself um trash ass advice that people give all the time and i like that fruits basket is just like nah (laughs) yeah um i also i love how uh just like in the actual like rating of the letter i like that haru just gets mad and is like i can't read this anymore and gives it to yuki (laughs) i like that yuki is the one who says it like Mm -hmm. i think it's It's a good good. culmination of his like little mini arc in this episode where he realizes that um you that outside support and validation is necessary like you Mm -hmm. need it (laughs) You need it from somewhere, you know? Yeah. Like. And if the only thing that you're, like, internalizing from your peers, and in the case of the Somas, especially Yuki, um, from your immediate family, which is even more detrimental, is, like, negative things about yourself, then it's just not possible for, like, self-love is not possible if the only thing you're internalizing is negativity. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I really liked how he said, like, you can try and, like, follow advice like that and find things about yourself to like, but it feels like you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very on the nose. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I like that they challenge this idea in Fruits Basket when you consider the demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that it's a really good message. Um, there's a lot of questionable moral messaging in Fruits Basket, but this is a good one. Plenty. <laughs> Fruits Basket is a kind of mixed bag as far as, like, moral messaging. But I think, like, if you... I think saying, like, if you're really struggling with self-hatred because everyone's treating you like shit, then that's not your fault and it's not on you to necessarily, like, rise above it. I mean, it's, like... it's a. I think it rides a good line of, like, you have to choose and you have to try to push past it like recovery is something you have to be an active participant in yourself but you also can't do it alone and you need you need at least a couple people who have your back and who support you and who can like ground you and keep you sane as you like fight through whatever bullshit you're dealing with Mm -hmm. yeah i also like it, it is interesting to me that um this idea is apparently multicultural um like the like the idea that you can't no one can love you unless you love yourself um and just thinking about how like fruits basket is the most popular manga in north america that ideas like this are universal um and so like everyone can relate to them yeah like regardless of where you live it's a good message i like it rupaul found dead in miami There was a little, like, subtle moment that I liked where Yuki and Haru, um, they start talking over each other. Right after Kisa speaks, they start talking over each other, and Haru yields to Yuki. Um, and I think it's because he knows that Yuki is having the same revelation that Kisa is, and that it's really important for him in this moment to connect with Kisa. It's just a small moment, but yeah. Haru's very perceptive. He's 
he is. Um, yeah, and I like, I think, I, I think having this moment of like, I like that Yuki says like, like he says like, okay, like I have to, I have to keep fighting. Like I can't, I can't go on like this, even though, uh, even though it's hard and it sucks and this letter is full of bullshit, um, I still have to work hard on becoming a version of myself I like. And I like that Yuki's like, I do too. Like, we'll fight together. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just like, A, just, you know, Yuki character gross moment, but also B, I think like, having like someone like older than you be like, you know what? Like, we're in this together. We're both like, this isn't something you're, dealing with alone it isn't something that's like uh exclusive to small stupid little babies or whatever you know like lots of people have to deal with this yeah it's a good moment um yeah and then he he does that he he challenges his core beliefs about himself and the things that akito and his parents instilled in him and decides to confront his trauma by finally stepping out of his comfort zone and accepting the position as the student council president um like that like becoming the president of the student council is definitely like i would say the singular biggest step yuki makes towards um recovery and um challenging his own self-perception and building confidence mm-hmm. it's like it's wild I, like i remember when i first heard fruits basket i was like the student council arc i don't give a shit about this and now as like an adult i'm like i love this shit this is it's great look at yuki go look at yuki <laughs> look at that like, little rat boy go yeah um but yeah this is like a huge step in what basically like i think kind of like is the backbone of, like, season two, which is all focused on Yuki's arc and unpacking his trauma and becoming a dif- becoming the version of himself he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, I do, like, I, I thought it was so funny, uh, like, the very final scene uh, where Yuki goes in, he's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, and then he, the president starts, to Takai? Takai? Starts getting weepy and yuki just just like leaves he's just like all right i'm out i've done enough he's like you're doing it for me yuki and he goes no i'm not <laughs> and walks <Yeah>. out <laughs> like, it's Already... so funny because yuki cares so much about what people think about him but he's like so rude to this to that guy that one guy i Yuki's think that right, he just though. like I'm... gets on his nerves in the same way that like i am a and kakiru gets on his nerves yeah also it's like Yuki knows that this guy's perception of him isn't something he seems to have any control over. It's like this, I think he thinks that, like, Takai is, like, nuts, basically, and, like, a little deluded, and Yuki's like, I can't deal with that in my life. Goodbye. Because Yuki, like, I mean, we see this multiple times, but Yuki absolutely cannot tell when someone is attracted to him. (laughs) And Takai is, like, fucking in love with him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a running homophobic gay joke in Fruits Basket that's still funny anyway. Um, <laughs> the way that he's, like, canonically gay for Yuki. And it's so homophobic. <sighs> this is why Yuki's homophobic. This is how people treat yeah. him. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want a boyfriend if this is who is trying to get with me. I loved his gay little polo this episode, by the way. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was very Gansy-like. Oh, I, this is jumping back. I like that Haru gave Kisa a little hug. Oh, yeah. So cute. So cute. Um, Haru's just, it's just, it's very Haru. He's good. He's a guy. I would love a hug from Haru. Um, I know, right? He seems like he'd be a good hugger. He would be. Um, He just, like, he looks out for people. He's just that kind of guy. He's just very loving. Haru's the best. Fruits Basket, are you or Haru's the main character? Just kidding. He doesn't have a character arc. He he wouldn't have a yeah. It's like he doesn't. He's such a great character, and I love Haru so much. And he's got like layers and stuff, but he doesn't like. He kind of sorts his stuff out like yeah. before the story even starts. He's like, has his character arc. Then now he's like, I am self actualized, and I will spend the rest of the story like trying to help other people deal with their shit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he, he'd be a pretty stagnant protagonist. Yeah. He has some problems with Rin later on, but it's still, like... Um, so yeah, that was an episode. An episode I constantly forget about, but a very good one. I like this episode. I feel like it's, it's one of the best ones uh, we've done in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely took more notes on this one than oh, yeah. a lot of the ones I've taken recently. It's also yeah. because we both have, like, Yuki obsession disease. <laughs> um, but It's because he's the best, time. what can I say? We love Yuki. He's just That's got true. a lot. Just one of the best characters. It's true. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to check us out on social media, on Twitter and Tumblr, at Soma So Good. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.